Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, John Berghoff here. I'm with Julie Riesler. Julie Riesler, author of Get a PhD in You, a course in miraculous self-discovery. I also know Julie is one of our Quantum Leap Mastermind members. And I have a feeling that this conversation that you're going to listen in on is going to be a treat. So it's time to rock and roll. Hey, ho, let's go. So Julie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm psyched to just kind of dive right in. I love talking and love yeah. talking with you. <laughs> All right, good. Hey, where are you, by the way? Because if someone's watching this on the live stream, I yeah. see there's a background of these beautiful pillows, right? Yeah. So tell me about these pillows. Is this in your home and office? Is yes. there anything special about these pillows? They just look great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, actually, it's a great question. So I'm in the Baltimore, D.C. area. That's kind of like the macro where I am, but I'm actually in my loft. So in my bedroom in our house, we have an upstairs loft and Mm. I call it my kind of creative getaway. It's where I wrote my book. It's where I get all my creative inspiration. The pillows behind me have butterflies, which really Really for me, I'm very visual and love metaphors. So the idea of transformation and pushing myself out of the cocoon, I try to do that every day in some way, starting with the miracle morning and, you know, really taking on life, pushing those edges and boundaries. So I also have a pillow that says gratitude and be your best self, be beautiful. And so this spot, my husband's like, Julie, you could just live here. It's just my creative zone. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can totally relate to that because as you're describing that, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at our office and every yeah. single thing that's on the wall has like a really deep meaning. Beautiful. And so that gets me fired up to hear the thought that you've put into creating an inspiring space. I love that. So tell me a little bit about this title, Life Designer. Life Designer. Tell me about being a life designer. What does that mean for you? Yeah, it's a very thought out description that I use for myself. You know, I did the whole master's degree in coaching and I have a lot of certifications in health and well-being, blah, 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 blah. There are a lot of coaches out there and it's a great term. However, what I realized in the work that I do is that it's more expansive than just coaching and guiding. I feel like my purpose and passion here is to first and foremost for myself, but also with everybody else that I can work with is to help design your best life. And so life designer, what I love about it is that it encompasses, you know, we're a whole person. So it's all aspects, mind, body, spirit of who you are. And the idea is designing it. You have the power to create it. It's an active word versus, you know, having it being done for you. You actually get to go in we can get into this much more, but you know, yeah. really recreate. If there's something you don't like, then look at that story and change it. If there's something that you've always wished for, well, let's look at how to design that or access that. So to me, I love the idea of this overarching, you know, you are the driver in the car and you get to decide how you're going to design your life. So I use it to cover everything I do, which is teaching and coaching and guiding and mentoring and all kinds of different things. Yeah. So I want to talk a lot about that. I'm super intrigued. The idea of intentionally designing a life is something that I believe in. And I know Hal does and 
So I want to talk a lot about that. But first, I'd love to know who is Julie Riesler in like, how did you become somebody who is teaching life design? What's your story that got you to a place where you're teaching this? So how much time do we have? <laughs> there's no end to this. There's no oh, end. Lord. I'm like, okay, there's the brief version, the medium. I'm going to try to, I'm going to do this succinctly as possible. They probably sent you like a meeting invite and I literally never look at, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I'm going to do this like as succinctly as I can, because the thought that came up first for me is, you know, I was the kid, I had a poster in my room when I was eight that said, I am me and I am okay. And it had all these like, you know, the Saturday Night Live skit with Stuart Smalley, if you remember the looking in the mirror and I'm good enough and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. gosh darn it, people love me. So my mom is kind of like a Stuart Smalley, literally. So I grew up, would have things happen in my life. Like I struggled a lot with food and eating and I'll get into that. And she would come into my room and literally make me hug myself, look in the mirror and say, Julie, I love you. I'm so... <laughs> I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. You know, the whole, literally Stuart Smalley. If anyone, I might be dating myself, but it's a funny skit. And I grew up with, you know, these influential thought leaders like Jim Rohn and Louise Hay. They were all about, you know, really learning to love and honor who you are. And so I was very lucky. I had like that soil, so to speak. Mm-hmm. My mom is super positive. What I would say to you is I am an experiential learner and most of my learning and what I teach today has come from a lot of breakdowns, a lot of breakdowns. And, you know, on the outside, and this is what's interesting, I find with anybody who especially doesn't look like there's any issues. I lived in a nice area, great parents. I did really well in school, but inside I struggled with not feeling good enough, self-worth, self-confidence. You know, I was a dancer and I always felt like the only reason they put me in the middle is because I couldn't help myself and smile, but I was like the largest one there. And I struggled with body image and then using food to cope with emotions and overeating and then over exercise. It was just a crazy cycle. And then, you know, I would say the whole world of dating that I was a late bloomer there. And so had a lot of just some negative stories and it was an inward while well, outside it looked great. Inside I felt like, mm. you know, not so great. And so I would say for me, the breakdown was around the portal for me started when I realized I was really out of control with how I was actually eating. I couldn't stop eating these bag of M&Ms. I could go on, but they were tie-dyed, really super cool. I don't know where you can find those other than Costco. <laughs> I mean, they're so small. If I just eat one more, it can't be a problem. Right. Like after 40 Dixie cups, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> something's not right here. Like I cannot stop. I was like, I'm an addict. I feel like I'm, t- I'm like shooting up, you know, and I couldn't stop yeah. eating them. And honestly, that was my lowest of low to be completely... Frank, and I'm all about like sharing it and being real. I did not want to live anymore. This was in my early 20s. I was mm-hmm. newly married and I felt like I was in a job that was good, but not what I wanted to do. And I had, thank God, this woman who's like an angel in my life was like, Julie, you need some support. Got my butt into a support group. And that is what started this journey for me. I mean, I was involved for many, many years and we're talking thousands of hours of meetings and journaling and meeting with people that were trusted, guided sponsors and mentors. And I feel like what happened is I started to excavate the real me. And so what happened is I started to deal with those feelings. Food kind of went to the side. And then the next thing I knew is, oh my God, I have all these things that I want to do in my life and who I really am and want to express myself. And that led to just more personal development, transformational programs and courses. And to the point where people are like you... My obsession is like 
really uncovering my best self and doing that daily and then sharing that and hopefully helping others to do that. So, you know, it led to a lot of other programs and courses and then eventually did a master's degree in coaching with 12 other, I say I'm certifiedly certified. I have so many certifications. It's like too much. That's so funny. And so that came organically from, frankly, breakdowns. I say breakdowns and breakups leading to breakthroughs. And today, you know, it's not just even about coaching. It's really seeing others' highest potential and helping them to design their life in that space from the place of, you know, what are your strengths? What is working? So anyhow, that is a long-winded answer. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We're here at Achieve Your Goals podcast. We don't have any rules for answers. And what I Thank really, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Hal started this. There's no rules around it. It's great. <laughs> right. uh, that's, you know, it's totally irrelevant tangent, but one of the fun things about taking over this podcast is that I know Hal well enough that I knew what he did to prepare for his episodes. And part of what I think led to his success is how authentic he is. Yeah. And the beauty of him choosing to just be himself and not stress or worry is that most of his preparation, he could fit on half of a post-it note. So yeah. taking over... He set a really low bar in terms of creating stress in prepping for these. But I Perfect. think the world, they just want authenticity. They don't give a crap if I yeah. have nine points I want to make. What I enjoy about your story is I find for me, the more I meet successful individuals, like you have, and we can get into this. I mean, you have a really successful career before getting into coaching. And I respect that because... Coaching is obviously there's no barrier to anybody raising their hand saying they're a coach. And you know, you're even joking about that, but you really have a legitimate career background that gives you a certain experience that I'm sure has helped you as well. But the part about your story that I resonate with is I find that more I meet successful people like yourself and people who've done far more than I've ever imagined doing, I notice that it's almost like everybody is a little bit messed up. Everybody has some sort of challenge that they've dealt with and that they're permanently dealing with. And mm. like for myself, you know, I think about this, I go run these big events and you know, there's a part of me that kind of wishes people could be in my head and realize that as much as everything looks like it's all going great, you know, my experience is the same human experience as the one you described and that I think more and more people live with, but they often put people who are successful on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they themselves don't become successful because they think, well, that person's not dealing with all the stuff I'm dealing with. So they actually mm -hmm. remove responsibility, yeah. which what I'm hearing is that that's something that you really value is helping people to realize like you could be in control of this. So yeah. just tell me more about, so what led to the book and what's the essence of the book? A Course in Miraculous self-discovery. What's that all about? Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff here. I love it. I love the no rules. So the real deal about this is that it was about, you know, 15 years of like, we're talking intensive personal development. I always say, you know, for 20 grand of therapy and, you know, every coach and personal development program, you too can get like really clear who you are. And then I had a first marriage. We're very amicably not together. I have two beautiful children. I'm remarried every area I could kind of redo, I've redone. And um, 
for about a year when I was working for a Fortune 500 company for about 11 years and had a lot of responsibility, liked it a lot, but was feeling like, yeah, this is good, but it's not, you know, I don't want good and fine. I want like living passion and purpose. And it was right after I left and left, like they were like, can you please stay and do X, Y, and Z? And I left and just trusted the net would appear. So I left and I heard this voice right after I left say, Julie, you're supposed to write a book, like this inner knowing, which might sound a little woo-woo, but literally I kept hearing, yeah, got to write a book, got to write a book. And finally, it was about a year of hearing that. It actually, I am not a linear thinker and I just couldn't get my thoughts down in a linear way. And I met with a friend who had just written her book and she's like, here, Julie, on a napkin in Starbucks, she wrote a circle with spokes and little circles, looked like a sun. And she's like, mm-hmm. this is what you do, which, you know, mind mapping, I went home that night. I could actually pull it out and show it to you. It's hilarious. I went home that night and in 10 minutes had my entire, what you see here with chapters, the name of the book, the whole thing, literally the outline wrote itself. And I felt this feeling of like, I am just supposed to, I can't explain it other than there is a strong urge to share what I've gone through because I wanted to write all the different things and processes and supportive systems that have helped me to really uncover my highest who I am and the essence of who I think we all have, that we all have these gifts that, you know, if you're not waking up to it or being proactive about it, you can miss it. And to me, that would be the biggest shame is to go through life and not be your best self. So I actually hand wrote my book. I did it in a very right brain way. I created bubbles on every page, like crazy, looks like clouds. I could just this is my process. And yeah. I would go in the morning, every morning early, light a candle up here, right where I am. I don't even sit on the couch. I sit on the floor. And I would just think about people I would be coaching or talking to myself 10 years ago. And I took each section. I'm like, what do I really want to say? What is it that made that miraculous discovery for myself? The one thing I'll say is that for me, this has kind of been a guiding post is, you know, when I was in the throes of really a lot of self-loathing and I mean, different than how it appears today. You know, I made this kind of contract with, you call it God, creator, divine, whatever you call it. I just made this kind of proverbial contract, you know, please help me to get through this point. And I promise I will go back and help as many people in the world I can. And it makes me want to cry even saying that. I mean, I just feel like that is part of my mission is to help anyone that's feeling, you know, stuck or not on all four cylinders or like there's something missing or maybe they're, you know, wherever you are in that spectrum, or maybe things are great and you just feel like, you know what, it could be better than this. Like I'm not a girl that stands for fine. So this is the blueprint that I use. And it's funny, I didn't even realize, like it didn't come to me first, like I'm going to write a book and market it. It was more, I want to share what has changed my life. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of books out there and there's a lot of amazing books out there. I, I use a lot of awesome books like Miracle Morning out there. And I just kept saying, you know, whatever I have to say, there's got to be people that can get something from it. Even if it's one person, I hope it's many more, um, then it's worth it. So you and I have mutual friends who published a lot of books recently. And one of my biggest personal curiosities is what are some interesting reactions that you've gotten from people who've read your book? I mean, you just published it. So they're probably going to pour in more and more, but I'd be curious, any cool reactions? And before you answer that, I need to make sure I say this. If you're watching this conversation through the live stream, you can see the book. I'm holding it up right now. And one of the things about this book, I mean, we have a library in our office here that's probably got north of a thousand books. 
And I don't know if any of them, if a single book that I own has such a unique interior design to the book. So I'm curious about that as well. And the other thing that I noticed, so if you're listening and you have any aspiration to write a book ever in the future of your life, you need to buy this one so that you can see what it looks like to do something that's different because that's one of the challenges in today's world. Like, frankly, anybody can write a book. Anybody can get a book published. So you got to be different. You can't just be better. And this is purely different. And I think that's really cool. So I do want to go back into some of the lessons in the book. Like I saw this chapter early about words and how important the words are we use. I'm a huge fan of that concept. I think that the uh, consequences of our word choices are far greater than we all can sometimes give credit. But any reactions to the book that have been really cool or interesting or surprising? Yeah. So I've had a couple and there's one that stands out that actually like gives me chills when I think about it. So there was someone I know who I'd worked with in the past and I'd seen her at a party and something said to me, you know, it's always an awkward, like, I don't want to be like, Hey, buy my book. But I, something said to me, I like to share it and say, listen, if this is something you're dealing with, you know, you might be interested. If not, I always assume people will be attracted to it who want to be. But she, and I said to her, you know, I think I just had this feeling it might be something that you would resonate with. And this is pretty unbelievable. She contacted me about three weeks later. She said, Julie, I just want you to know, I got your book and I read it. And I have not told anybody this, but she did not know her birth mother. And she is now looking into working with an investigator to find her birth mother. She worked through the, I'm like, have chills. I mean, working through the chapter on fear and then really getting, you know, that this is very important to her. And so... I mean, I didn't know this. I don't know her very well, but it's someone that I had worked with a little bit. And she's like, I am on the quest to find my birth mother and I'm going to find her and it's going to change my life. Um, and she's like, I got that from reading through and working. My book is interactive. It's not just a reader. And, you know, she's like through working yeah. with your book. That was one of the more profound ones. You know, it's just an amazing feeling because I wrote this from a place of like, please let it be of service. Let it make a difference. I've been in a lot of pain before and to come out of it and know what's possible that's kind of the place I'm coming from. And I've had a woman that I just got connected to who got it. And she, you know, also struggles with food issues. And she's like, Julie, I, for the first time, I'm starting to actually love who I see in the mirror. And, you know, I believe as we shift the beliefs of ourselves, we can, I mean, it starts with you, but then that's who you are in the world. And that's how you add, you know, positivity and love and good things. So she had that response. I had a really, one of my friends that I wrote about you know, one of my mentors, she was like, I read through it, but she's like, I really read it. I took a day off and I read it. She, she's like, it's actually really freaking good. I loved it. Like (laughs) I got so much from it. I'm recommending to all my friends. And I'm like, thank you. That's awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you really liked it. But, um, no, the woman who's finding her mom, I mean, that's one of the stories that, and I keep getting more and more, um, you know, I've had a couple people who dealt with addiction that have been, I have it on audio too, that has told me, um, a guy I went to high school with found me and he's like, this book is a life changer for me. And I, that was an awesome feeling because I know that world as well. Wow. Julie, that's awesome. Congrats. You, you got to feel great. You got to feel great. When you think about what you teach in this book and it's so visible, I've read pieces of it. And it's so visible just looking through the rest of the book that there's a lot in here. The whole thing is a workbook that people can take action on. What are maybe a couple of your favorite concepts that you've brought into this book? Like when you immediately jump to the first two or three ideas that for you, you think can have 
the biggest impact on a reader? What are some of the ideas that jump out for you? Yeah. So one of the first ones, and it's interesting because often this can be an uncomfortable one. And actually at our Quantum Leap Mastermind, I remember Hal did a little piece on this, but it's really that reflection in the mirror, how you see yourself. So chapter number two, where you look at the connecting with yourself in the mirror. Many people have written about this. I kind of put my own, this is what I do personally. And I think it's an excellent place to start because it gives you a sense. Look, we look in the mirror all the time because we're driving, we're looking in the mirror to drive, we're catching ourselves in a window. I mean, especially female, I'd probably do that more. And what is your autonomic response when you see yourself? And this is something we don't usually pause to say, but in working with a lot of clients, I can tell you that that's a great place to look. Because if you see yourself in the mirror and you're constantly barraging yourself with negative crap or words that are not kind that you wouldn't say to anybody, that is an indication that you got something, something's going on in the relationship of you with you. And I just believe, you know, the only person I'll ever be able to change is me, which is good news. There's a lot I can change. And I do. And that relationship is crucial because who are you living with the rest of your life? Yourself, right? And we know communication is mainly nonverbal. If you're not honoring and loving and feeling that worth in yourself, that's going to be communicated in all that you do. So I feel like a place to start is literally that connection process in the mirror or in your phone, you know, camera or whatever you want to use, but starting to get, you know, how do you see yourself? And when I say see, I don't just mean you know, the visual, I mean, also how are physically, exactly. How do you see, are you seeing the great traits and qualities and gifts that you have? Are you noticing even for, I've had a woman I've worked with, a couple women, actually, it's been very, very challenging for them. They had a lot of trouble with this. And we went into very basic things that are not so basic, like, you know, hello, do you ever appreciate that you have eyes? You know, those eyes have been since day one, have been seeing the world and internalizing. Can you Mm. honor, reflect, and appreciate that? Can you appreciate that, you know, the mouth you have allows you to chew and swallow and eat and speak, you know? So these are things that are often easier to tap into versus the physicality of, you know, I think they're wonderful, beautiful. So I think that's the first place. All right. So here's a question I have for you. Let's say I look at myself in the mirror and it's a mixed bag. It's like, well, you know, you got this going, but you got these problems over here. What can I do to change what I think when I look at myself in the mirror? Yes. Great question. And so I'm a very big believer, you know, so it's our words, but it's also not just the words you're saying. It's how you feel when you say them. And so if you are saying, you know, I am a powerful, kind, generous creator or you know, I saying things that you don't fully believe, that is important to look at that. And I would say the first place to start is to say things that you do feel you believe and resonate with. So sometimes it could be, you know, I am just looking at myself and I'm just really thankful that I'm healthy today, or I have such abundance in my life. Like I have a car that I love. I mean, it could be anything. Um, but if you're not resonating with it, like to say, look in the mirror and say, like, I am a smart, powerful person. I don't feel smart or powerful that day. That's like putting lipstick on a pig (laughs) a little Mm -hmm. bit. And so you want your words to resonate. And I teach this and we'll be writing about it next is you want it to resonate with your body, your sensations in your body, your emotional system. So if that's hard to do, then find something, find anything you can appreciate in yourself. It could be external physicality or internal, internal attributes. You know, I love how loving I am as a mother. 
that's a great one or father. I'm a really loving mother. I'm a really caring friend. You know, the more you say those things to yourself, there's a lot of research around, you know, what we say to ourselves, we digest that. You know, you look at the fight and flight response. That's a whole other topic. But these things we say to ourselves really make a difference. Yeah. There's two things that I'm reminded of. I think it was probably 15, 16 years ago when someone gave me the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, where... Yeah, where he talks about impeccability of our word. Yes. And what I'm hearing you say is even when we're thinking about ourselves, what I can relate to is if I have something in my life that I claim is important, like a value, right? Like I value some type of contribution through my work or through my world. Yeah. But if I'm doing things that are actually undercutting that value... Right. And it's not like either or. It's probably I'm doing a bunch of things that are moving me in that direction and I'm probably doing some things that aren't. Yeah. I can totally get what you're saying that when I look in the mirror, I might not even know why, but I might feel incongruent with who I am claiming I want to be as a person. But it's like, how oh, these things I'm doing, either when no one's looking or when they are looking, but they just don't realize I could be making a different choice. It reminds me of just being impeccable, even with ourselves. Of yes, what we're and I love your idea of starting by getting clear on well, what do I agree with? How can I be congruent? And that reminded me of a um, in the year two thousand, I went to a three day Tony Robbins event that they don't put on anymore. It was called Influence Mastery, oh. so they now sell it as like a tape series. But you'll love this. So they taught us all sorts of NLP techniques and you know ways to reprogram our brain through different like patterning things. And it was crazy and it was cool. And I actually credit some of those things to me being the number one rep in our company that year. And I'll never forget in the seminar, one of the things they had us do is they asked for a volunteer. There's only 20 of us. They asked for a volunteer, someone who had like a disempowering belief, right, about themselves or their life. And it was one of my buddies who he said, I've got a belief and it's that I just don't have enough time. Yeah. I just don't have enough time. So they bring him up to the front of the room. They sit him in a chair. Now, I'm sure that as I'm explaining this, I'm like totally not giving justice to the power of the activity. And I'm probably going to describe something that is nowhere near what actually happened. But what's anyone going to do? Okay. You weren't there, right? <laughs> it so, sounds good. Out. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. Um, right. But my recollection, my hallucination was they put him up in the chair. And let's say his name was Sean. So the guy leading the event, his name was Pete Drubay, who I ended up, I was 17 years old. I ended up hiring him for 500 bucks a month as a sales coach, as a 17-year-old. And Pete taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about asking questions, new Mm -hmm. questions. I'll never forget one of the questions he asked me. We're on a coaching call and I'm like, Pete, I'm going into this big sales contest. And the first thing he says is he says, well, what do you think? Because he knew that we both knew who Tony Robbins was. And he goes, well, what would Tony Robbins do differently than how you're approaching this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, he would be thinking way different about this, right? So, but Pete, Pete starts like in a respectful, loving, stern parent way, like getting on Sean. And so he says to Sean, he goes, Sean, what I want you to do is I want you to say to us sitting in the room, I want you to say these words, I have enough time. And the rule was that Sean was not allowed to be done with this exercise until the entire room agreed that he was congruent with the words coming out of his mouth. 
Beautiful. Now, to make the long story longer, if you can imagine, so Sean starts off and he gives his best effort. Like, I have enough time, right? And you could just see it in his body. <laughs> like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, and we're like, sorry, Charlie, try it again. So he does it again and again and again. And he's up there for probably five minutes, which I, you have to realize that feels like an eternity. Yeah. And then it's like five more minutes. And finally, Pete was like, Sean, I want you to go inside of yourself and find a place inside of yourself where you realize that it is true that you have enough time and that you realize that, you know, Mm -hmm. you and every other human on this planet are given the same number of hours. And so at the end of the day, whether or not you have enough time comes entirely down to your belief. And he gives Sean this like motivational speech and we're all sitting there like, oh my gosh, what's going to come out of Sean? So Sean gets out of the chair, right? He gets out of the chair and he screams at the top of his lungs. He goes, I have enough time. And the whole place erupted and for all I know, he became masterful at time management from that moment on for the rest of his life. But the whole moral of the story was about, I mean, they forced Sean in a respectful, safe environment yeah. to push himself until he really was congruent with the belief that he needed to have. Yes. And I'll never forget that. That's awesome. I love now that. he has his own time management system. And no, I'm kidding. Probably. <laughs> right. Time right. management for people who never made it to that three-day seminar. Right, right. Here's that. <laughs> That's awesome. It was I, really cool. I love that story. You know, that word is really the word that I think when I was speaking, it was the missing for me is the congruency. And that is exactly... And I love that you guys could feel it because we communicate constantly. We're communicating not by just our words, but you guys could feel when he was congruent and when he was not, mainly not until he was. And so... Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge aspect of doing this work. And so just having these lovely affirmations or having those things you say to yourself. And also the thing is, it could be that you have an inkling of it, but it's practicing it. It's practicing. You've got to be, I mean, I'm a big like daily action, daily practice. You know, the way that I wrote this book and live my life, it is not from just like sitting my butt. Well, sometimes for me sitting my butt, I don't watch TV, but that would be a good thing for me because I don't do it a lot and just sit down and calm my monkey mind sometimes. But, you know, it's daily action. It's daily action yeah. around areas that matter. And to me, this is one of the most important, most priceless aspects is your belief about yourself. And then, of course, it's your belief about others, but it starts with you because we live in ourselves, you know, who I live with. Julie, I'd love to hear your opinion or your perspective on how we can get more connected with what our strengths are. And, you know, this is a topic that I'm really interested in because, so my background is in business management and leading teams and organizations. And, you know, Peter Drucker is known Mm -hmm. for kind of giving birth to this movement that I know you call this out in your book and you have some exercises. So I really want your opinion on how, share with us, how do people get better connected with their strengths? And one of the things Peter Drucker used to say was that, the job of a leader is to focus on the strengths of a system so much so that the weaknesses become irrelevant. And now in the last 10 years, millions of people have taken the VIA strength finder assessment to figure out their character strengths. And there's data that says if someone's using their strengths at work, they're twice as likely to be engaged, which has a direct translation to their performance. So there's all this evidence in this conversation but I'd love to hear from you. Like, why does this matter that we connect to our strengths and how do we do it in a real way? Oh, it's a good question. It's funny. I was coaching a few people this morning, actually, through, it's a government contract and we were just talking about this, you know, the difference in energy that you feel when you are using your strengths 
versus when you're not. And I like to look at it, frankly, starting with energy. We know that we're made of energy. We have a certain amount of energy. If you've ever felt, I would say this to anyone, let's, you know, just like for myself or anyone that, you know, that feeling when you are using your natural strengths, for me, I usually come away in my body feeling more energized lit up. Like these are some of the things that you're looking for. So I call it like a treasure hunt. You want to go on a treasure hunt and look, comb throughout your life. Because sometimes, you know, if you're in a job or a situation where you haven't been using your strengths for a while, sometimes it can feel like they're lost, they're gone, they're not there. I don't believe that. I just believe they might be a little bit underused. Maybe you're, you know, a little bit asleep Mm -hmm. to them. But the question really is like, So what lights me up? What gives me energy? What makes me feel purposeful? Where have I felt in my flow, like being used, being of service, making a difference? What comes naturally to me? I love these questions because they get the answer. You know, you can feel, I can feel with people and myself, even in your facial reaction, in your body reaction, there's a rise of energy. There's a, something is shifting when you start looking at talents and strengths from this place. And so the clue is, you know, really both what you've done in the past that gave you that feeling and looking to see when you think about that, you know, I have that question, what would get you up in the middle of the night at 3am and have you do that thing for free? I always think about like, if you want to know what you love and you're passionate about and what's a strength, I have a couple of those things. I would get up at three in the morning and do that for free. I can tell you right now, there's probably... Not a lot, but there's a quite a few things I would do. And yeah. that's a good example. Under those are strengths, you know, oftentimes yeah. it's under those experiences. So just some of those questions, but I do that a lot in the book because look, I think the goal is we want to be living our most authentic, you know, passionate, purposeful. I mean, there's nothing more I love than to feel like I'm making a difference and I'm being used at a higher level, you know, higher, I guess I would say from a, that place of being used to be of service to other people and have that energy and vitality. It's also like the best anti-aging uh, remedy. I'm serious. You just sold three books right there. I know. Three books anti-aging, off the shelf. I know. It's true <laughs> though. Like when I was not living that way, I look at pictures. I look older then than I do now. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm thinking I have nothing against doing different anti-aging things. But for me, I like to age naturally, but full of vitality because I'm living a life that's purposeful and passionate and using my strengths. And it's an anti-aging elixir. It just is. You have more energy. You can see it. There's that quote by the age 40 of the face that you deserve. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that. That's yeah. so great. I love that. Yeah. I really like your point about how it might just be that we have strengths that have been underused or we just haven't used them in a while. I think that's such a great reminder. You know, I think about someone who leads others and what a big deal that is that they need to make sure that they're staying conscious of, okay, are these people handling tasks that fit their strengths or don't fit their strengths? So she won't mind me saying this. She's five feet away from me. Laura, I'm going to talk about you. So Laura's here late at night. She's like the most committed, dedicated, hardworking, smart, funny. She brings every mood. You know her well. She brings everything in our office. She is a badass. Love her. And last night, so she's working all day on this workbook for us. And so this is a good example of me failing to be aware of something that I should just be aware of. She's made workbooks in the past. She does a great job on them. I don't think she would personally say that's my highest strength. I think her highest strengths are in relationship building, but she's good at it, right? We can all have things we do that we can be good at, but it's not our highest strength. 
well, it's late last night and our internet goes out and I got to get back on the internet. And I'm like, Laura, what's our passcode for the internet? And she goes, it's 867. So is it 867 or 87? Oh yeah, 876. And then she goes, it's ACB. And we were both like, holy shit, you're like legitimately dyslexic. And then I made the joke. I'm like, well, good thing you're not doing something as important as designing a workbook where all you're focused on is getting the numbers and the letters in the right order. So I share that endearingly as lovingly in that we all have things we're not good at. And that was just a classic moment for me. It's like, how funny that that she's doing a great job. And yet she has a part of herself that clearly would say, hey, in the long run, maybe she shouldn't become our, you know, vice president of workbooks, you know. So it's such a fit there. Yeah. 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 But again, she does a great job. But that's a great example too, where that's like a microscopic insight into an alignment of strength where like I could imagine, hey, it's fine for her to do that case by case. But if, if I wasn't aware that that's like not the perfect alignment, and I just walked in one day and said, you're going to do workbooks all day long every day because she spends a fraction of her time doing that. I would not realize it as a manager. And one day she would have no energy coming to work. Yes. Exactly. So that's such a great reminder. Hey, you talk in the book about stories and how we have our own story. And I'm a huge fan of stories in that I believe that, because again, my work is with teams and organizations and large systems of people. I believe that everything is guided by a collective story, which is everyone's individual story. And a lot of it's unconscious. Yeah. And you help people to understand individually how they might have stories about themselves or their world. Talk about that. Why is that important? And how do we change our story? How do we even figure out if we have a shitty story that's not a good one? And how do we change it? Right. This is one of my favorite... All of them are my favorite time. But this is like... I love this because... In my own self, like, so I use myself, I had a lot of stories. And when you really start to see that these are stories, there's no actual truth. And truth means the litmus test, like, is it real? Like, can you actually smell it, taste it, touch it? Can, is there any way to define that that's true? And I realized with a lot of the stories, so stories meaning things that we heard people say to us, maybe a teacher, you know, my math teacher said to me, Julie, you're, I'm not that great with numbers. So that was true. But he called me out, you know, on not doing a good job on my homework. And I made it mean that I am a horrible student or I'm not smart. And then I live my life like that's true. Or I had a teacher, this is a true story, a dancing teacher who told me that I was too large to be a ballerina. And that I was really like a nice girl, had a great smile, but I wasn't built like a dancer and I should just stop. And that, I want to tell you, I stopped dancing for 15 years and I love to dance. I actually teach bar on the side now, ironically, Um, which is kind of my like, hey, hey, I like dancing. I don't care if I'm taller, bigger, I'm doing it. This was one of the stories I saw for me. I had a story, honestly, and being really real here in eighth grade, there was a boy I liked, JP. And he, I was trying to be sly, got my guy friend to see what he thought. And I... Did it all covertly. And my friend Josh was like, oh yeah, he thinks Laura's cute. Nikki's cute. Oh yeah, he said you're nasty. And let me tell you something. That was a story for a very long time that I am not, you know, guys don't like me. And I mean, I changed that story. I changed the story around dancing. But what happened is those words, the words that were said, I believed them somewhere. My conscious and subconscious said, yep. And then what happens is we operate as though those stories are true. And it could be anything that you hear that you tell yourself or someone says to you, or 
you know, that you made, you made up oftentimes. And the crazy thing is like, I stopped dancing for 15 years. It's one of my favorite things to do. Now I don't want to be a professional dancer, but I get a lot of energy and joy from any kind of dancing. I feel very connected to something greater when I do. I believe that story. And so I really walk people through, how do you uncover those things that you're believing that aren't serving you? And the way, I mean, look, that's a story that serves you. You know, my dad always like had this beautiful thing that he would say to me, you know, he's like, Julie, you're joyful. And like, you attract joy. Like, okay, even if I didn't, that's a good one. Like I'm keeping that story. Like I'm joyful. I attract joy. So sometimes those stories, you can keep them. And sometimes you can take them and flip them on their head. I actually did a program where we rewrote them and that was part of what inspired me. And I today journal every morning and often I will write my story as I want it to be. And it keeps evolving. So I'm aware we have them. We all have them. You know, are you living with that story driving you or are you going to unpack the story and repack it and drive it? And so really I try to show how to get what it is. What is that story that you don't even know you're living by? And how do you, if you don't like it, it's not serving, forget toss it. Don't live by someone else's words. That's not okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've dealt with this personally recently where the work that we're doing at Flourishing Leadership Institute, there's a lot of demand for what we're doing, which someone might hear that and say, oh, poor you, lots of demand. But it can be a real problem when everything you're doing, you've never done before. Yeah. And for me, at least. So let me rephrase that. Everything we're doing, we've never done. We use a methodology that's the basis, but we're brought into these really complex projects. And so there is no formula. So we have to invent every time a new solution for these big clients. And I found this for myself recently. It's exactly what you're talking about, that if I wasn't careful, the stories that went on in my head, like the word I like to use our stories are really fragile. Or another way for me that I've been thinking about it is that I am always at a tipping point and I am always on the fence. And if I don't pay attention, the unconscious story, and this is the part of my brain that has been around the longest, is the one that causes fear. And I notice that if I don't consciously do something, then what happens is I'll start telling these stories, but they're very quiet. So I don't always like, I'll have a feeling with it. The feeling will be anxiety. And then I have to realize, wait a minute, what's the story that's creating that anxiety? And the story is all of a sudden I realize, oh, well, what's led to that anxiety is I'm actually imagining. I've actually had this happen a lot. Like we run events. It's almost like a tradition around here. At some point before every big event, I have a nightmare about that event. Mm. And that nightmare Like I've had nightmares about events where it's like in my dream, I get up on stage, there's 500 people there, which is a common thing for us. And it's like, oh, we don't have anything ready with these 500 people. And every time that happens, what I realize it's a signal for me that, okay, I've been letting that story run for so long that it's really freaking me out. And I realize all I have to do All I have to do is be conscious enough to ask myself, well, what do I want, right? Like what story do I want to live out and whether or not I'm actually able to succeed with each of these clients, it has far more to do with what story do I tell myself 
leading up to the client engagement than anything else. Like next week, I have a TED talk I'm giving in seven days. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, the truth though, is I started working on the talk yesterday and I'm totally glad to it when Laura's laughing. She's like, you call that working on it? (laughs) 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 Um, But but the truth is seven days from now, I certainly have little voices in my head that say, and I could argue I've been working on it my whole life. It's just deciding to actually, right? And so that's actually how I change my story. I go, okay, I haven't put the words onto a map yet or onto paper, but I have to remind myself that everything that I need is within me. And I have to tell myself the story. And so our team will hear me say this at regular intervals. I will at random just stop and go, hey, you guys, this talk is going to be incredible. And they may or may not realize it. But I'm saying that out loud for several reasons. One is because when I say it out loud, it drives home the belief. And the other is when I say it out loud and it drives home the belief, I believe that that is going to cause me to now make the decisions that are going to make it incredible. So I'm just sharing. It's something I've experienced a lot personally in that my story is fragile. Like it easily can go the wrong direction and I can easily send it in the right direction, but I have to be aware or I have to have your book or something (laughs) to help me. Well, I love that. Yeah. So I resonate. I'm very similar in how I do talks because I like it to be really like organic and authentic. And I think part of the reason with premise with this book is that what you said, it's like, you have everything you need within you. We all do, Mm -hmm. right? But I love that idea of that, you know, of your story being fragile. I like to think of it as it's sacred. In the early in the book, I really talk about having teams. You know, I believe you don't do life alone. I actually have a team of people. I have my cheerleader. I have my accountability partner. I have somebody, I mean, every single day I talk to this friend. We've already talked twice this morning early and I manage my story daily with her. And she listens for when I'm telling a story that is not serving my greatest good. She'd be like that, Julie, you just went on and that is not the story you want to tell. I'm like, right, you're right. I could feel that. And then I say it out loud, like what you are saying. So getting someone to help you, writing it out. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to do it. But I guess the main point is, for me, it's an inaction type of, you said it, having that focus and attention. I mean, it just, otherwise it becomes, we live out unconsciously from a place of our original brain, which is all about fear and flight. And I just personally, because I'm not a reptile. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as far as we know. As far as, right, I'm not, like I am human and I want to use like the top of my brain that we're so gifted to have. So I'm okay putting some work in every day because I'd rather drive my story every day and be cognizant of it and have an evolving, amazing life where I'm designing and getting to have new stories. And I'll say there's still times where I'm like, I'm living from it old. Like you said, the fear, the nightmares, I still have that. I mean, are you kidding me? I'm hu- we're human. It doesn't go away. It's just the more you practice it like anything, it's like going to the gym. The more I practice it, it's become a natural. I look and say, okay, how else can I redefine this? Where has that worked out well before? Let me draw on that. Let me get energy from that. Or how do I want to envision this? Or how would I like this story to play out? And you know, those are different questions than oh crap, <laughs> like, I'm not prepared, you know, and I suck and all those things that we say to ourselves sometimes. Yeah, I think that is so important. It's such a great reminder for all of us. Julie, I'd like to wrap us up with one more question for you. Sure. And that question is, is there anything else? <laughs> 
will. <laughs> thank you. That's a good question. So I just I want to thank you. This has been awesome. Obviously, I could keep talking and talking and I, I won't. But I am putting together right now a companion journal that's going to go along with the book because and it's going to teach a little bit more about journaling. It has both a structured side and non-structured. I wanted even more space to write. I just think there's that process of getting our thoughts out on paper. We know from research, there's something about that. Then when it stays in your head, that's one thing. Getting it out is so important. So I am working on that as well as my first online course to help people really move from, it's called Hungry for More. And that's coming up. It's not ready yet, but I'm working on it. And um, I'm just thrilled to be part of the community and be here with you. And any way that I can be of service or help, I mean, I'm always, I love talking to people and connecting. And if anyone wants to connect about their what they're working on and their stories. It's my passion and purpose. How do you want people to find you or reach you if they listen to this and they want to connect? What's the best way or place or website? My website is my name. I'll spell it really quick because it's kind of funky. It's Julie, which is J-U-L-I-E. And then Riesler, R-E-I, like the store, S-L-E-R.com. It's probably the best way. Yeah. Awesome. Julie, author of Get a PhD in You, Quantum Leap Mastermind member extraordinary human being, most likely not a lizard. I was going to say, of all the things I said, anti-aging and lizard. (laughs) Hey, this was was totally awesome. Thank you for being with me today. You are awesome. And I want to thank you and Hal, who graciously endorsed my book before we even really knew each other. And I'm very honored and grateful to be part of this amazing community of just I feel like everybody in this world is about making a difference in the world and I'm in alignment with that. And I just, I am so honored, honestly honored and touched and moved and inspired to be part of this for real. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.